Welcome to Funny Women Behind the Scenes, a sequent covered podcast hosted by international showgirl and comedian Ivy Page. We'll be exploring what it's really like to work in the entertainment industry, from live comedy and cabaret to television and film. Brought to you by Funny Women, the leading community for female comedy. So let's get on with the show and welcome your host, Ivy Page. Hello and welcome to the real life work of art or piece of work, award deserving, flame haired, titan of teas. Yes, it's me, Ivy Page. It's time to take a seat on my chaise lounge in my personal burlesque boudoir as we break the fourth wall, draw back the velvet curtains and reveal what really happens behind the scenes. Well, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome into my burlesque boudoir today the actress, model, singer, writer, comedian and the world's number one Marilyn Monroe impersonator. It is the incredible and my dear friend, uh, Susie Kennedy. Hello, Susie. Hello, Ivy. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Um, I'm really good and it's my pleasure to be on this because I've listened to them and you've had some amazing guests so thank you for asking me. Oh well you are one of our amazing guests so I'm going to jump straight in so I wanted to ask you because I know that um, our listeners will be wondering this question how did your career begin as a Marilyn Monroe impersonator what was the start of the journey? Oh my God. So, um, whoa, got to go back. It's like a time machine. It's been so long ago because we're going over 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but it was just, I was at college. I know I didn't want to be a, um, a performer. I didn't like think I'm going to be a performer. I'd had a few little aspirations when I was younger, but, um, I went to Erdang Academy and did my work experience there. So I learned how to did perform. You? Yeah. At Erdang Academy of Ballet and Performing Arts. I was going to say, Erdang's a dance college. Is yeah, it, it was, and it was heavily on ballet as well. But when I was in school, they said, what do you want to do when you're older? And, and I wanted to be a vet or a singing and dancing vet, preferably. <laughs> I'd never had any um, training. So I thought instead of working at a solicitor's office for work experience, I wrote to Erding Academy of Ballet and Performing Arts and uh, they took me on. So I did my work experience there. But um, I always had the, and then I, I got free classes. I wrote to Dance Works and Pineapple Studios when I was young and got little free classes because I really had no, um, money or opportunity for anything like that and luckily it wasn't very fashionable back then to want to be in performing arts so people would reply to you and say yeah come along we'll help you <laughs> and, and now that doesn't really happen anymore so anyway life took a dirty curve and uh, I ended up not being able to pursue that and um, strangely enough I was at college and I was really into like vintage clothing I was basically interested in escaping who I was which is now I'm realizing as I'm older that was really what I was doing and I think a lot of performers uh, can relate to that in a lot of performers they they go into characters and pretend because it's a way of escaping who they are if they don't know who they are and um, I just was into vintage and uh, people kept saying to me you look like Marilyn Monroe and before I know it a, a, an agency had approached me and they sent me to a tv commercial and that tv commercial was for After Eight Mints and it was with Stephen Fry and Naomi Campbell and not the lookalikes, the actual real ones. Uh, I was just amazed, like, because I love Stephen Fry because I yeah, love comedy. Incredible. And we, I'm not, they were like, don't talk to the celebrities. You're not allowed to talk to them. And Really? And, um, yeah. And uh, 
that didn't really work with me because I'd never <laughs> been so I was just like oh my god I love you and you're so beautiful and they were lovely and I had a great time and then before I knew it that's how my Marilyn started just by that just by someone going you look like her an agency took me on and before I knew it my life changed because I did one job they got great feedback I got sent to another tv commercial for the Citroen C3 advert and they were like can you sing and I was like this performance that I'd probably done when I was younger at Erdang really helped me because they were like can you sing and I was like yes so I just sang and they're like can you do this I'm like yes I can even though I wasn't trained for anything I I just ended up doing it so this is a big accident but a really good one so what's been your career highlights as, as like, where has Marilyn taken you? Oh my God. Do you know what? It's really weird you say that because when you say highlights, people think a job you did. So like, obviously like I did Blade Runner, which is amazing. But my highlight is I've got to say is getting to travel because I wasn't from a family background that we ever did travel. So it's through this job that I've literally been to countries. I mean, I went to Pakistan, to Islamabad, right? to the high commissioner's house. I would never go think I'm going to book myself a holiday to Pakistan. That wouldn't have happened. And yet I went there and experienced being in the high commissioner's house, sleeping in the same room that Princess Diana slept in. That's like not going to happen in your normal everyday life. I've been over to Hong Kong. I've been to all of Europe, all over America. I mean, and then highlights, professional highlights, is getting to travel with Marilyn Monroe's actual clothing. I mean, I've worn her actual clothing you couldn't get closer to someone what was that like it's it's crazy because you know what I don't even really wear my friend's clothing (laughs) you know like I don't go it's it's quite a personal thing isn't it and to to wear these these clothes I mean I wore the dress from some like it hot I remember watching that film studying Marilyn little did I know that I'd be like wearing that and it's crazy so it, it interests me in, I, I want to come back to Blade Runner, so I'm not going to forget about that because I know what, what Blade Runner incredible film and I want to hear more about that. But mm-hmm. I just want to quickly kind of discuss the complexities about the celebrity culture and the icon culture, because obviously Marilyn Monroe was such an icon. So there must be a level of complexity and layers that come to that because she's in the culture so much now that maybe people don't even see the person. Oh, a hundred percent. So by seeing, I was going to say, by seeing the clothes and touching the clothes, does that really bring home the fact that it's an, she was an actual person? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm totally on the same wavelength as you. I feel like there's a million Marilyns that she was. I mean, she wasn't even Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe is her stage name, like was created. Her real name was Norma Jean. So she starts off being somebody that's not even that person. And what I did notice about the clothing is when you see the show clothes, they're nothing like her personal clothes. Um, Her personal clothes are actually quite, I mean, what is normal, but normal. And they're just like normal slacks, not even bright colours. You know, she was like, she has a lot of beige clothes. Like, and that's... um, Nothing wrong with beige clothes, but it just shocks. There's nothing glittery. There's no sequins. There's no feathers. And yet the stage clothes, the Some Like It Hot dress, the Happy Birthday Mr. President dress is completely covered in these rhinestones. And yet she never owned jewellery. And yet she's famous for diamonds or a girl's best friend. She didn't own any diamonds. It's like she's a, she's a, she's two people. And, you know, all these books, all the books that were for sale. And these, these are like, heavy reading books they're not uh, they're not like glamour magazines these are books 
like Ulysses and stuff like this that she owns. So she's like two people. And it's really hard for me as an impersonator because sometimes I feel like I have to play a character that she's not. Hmm. And it's like people want to see the, I mean, the amount of times I've been asked to sing happy birthday in the white dress. I mean, the two things don't go together. She didn't, she wore the white dress in Seven Year Itch and they're like, I want you in the same dress that Marilyn Monroe wore when she sung happy birthday, Mr. President, you know, the white one. And you're like, no, they're, they're, two different decades for a start and they're two different films but she's become like McDonald she's like a brand and mm. people people have her the way they want her to be and she even said that herself she was like some people want me to be sexier than I am and some people want me to be more intelligent and when I'm intelligent they want me to be less intelligent and when I'm not sexy enough they want me to be sexier and so it's just like she must have gone crazy with these layers do you feel a responsibility to Marilyn? 100%. I mean, it's to the point where I don't, this is like newsflash, newsflash. Since COVID, I don't really want to be an impersonator anymore because okay. I feel when I impersonate her, and I know the fans of her say, you know, you're the best impersonator, you do it, you do it well and you don't ever exploit her. But I don't know that I don't feel in the modern world we can portray Marilyn Monroe as she really was anymore. And that's quite difficult. So this is why I've developed this show, Living as Marilyn, and the, the, the podcast I did is, is that I did this because I'm trying to kind of make it up to her. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? I kind of want to say, well, yeah, but this is what she was really like. And obviously I didn't know her, but what I've researched about her I feel that as someone who made a career out of her, I'd like to balance it up by getting the truth out there about her as well. You're listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes. All the backstage gossip and more. Do you think that entertainment can be superficial? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I know, to be honest, as soon as I said that, I was like, well, of course, of course it is. But the thing is, if we look at Marilyn as an example, it hasn't changed. No, and it won't because we're safe. We, we, as, as the public, and we're all to blame for this, we, we like to know what people are and put them in boxes because it makes us feel safer. It's like when I go and see a Tom Hanks film, I know it's going to be good because I know that he's a good actor and he, does, he picks good scripts. And if I, if I know that I'm going to watch The Only Way is Essex or, or Desperate Housewives, I'm going to see a fight and an argument. And if I tune in there suddenly all reading James Joyce, I'm going to be, what am I watching? We like to know that, we, that we're safe with how people are. That's my, that's my feeling. Do you think, I mean, we can use this in the context of Marilyn, but also both you and I can relate to this, being trapped in a persona that audiences want. Of course. And that's, and that's, I think, so prevalent to so many women in, in the entertainment industry because people like say to me, well, what do you mean you're going to give up Marilyn? Then what are you? And I'm like, oh, thanks. So I'm nothing. <laughs> and, and they don't mean it like that because they mean I'm very blessed and I agree with them. And, and you're, you know your successful career. The only reason I got on Britain's Got Talent wasn't because I was a great comedian. I only did a beginner's com- comedy class. Yeah, I, I was going to ask it. about your, I, I wanted to come to that about, because um, you're a very funny woman. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask about, the, you know, how do you break out of that persona? For you, was that stand up? Well, yeah. And the thing is, is that a lot of reason I got rebookings wasn't because I was necessarily the best 
Marilyn Monroe lookalike because you can be a great lookalike but if you're not good at entertaining you won't get rebooked so you're an entertainer first you know this with burlesque there's you can learn burlesque but unless you're bringing a certain part of your personality uh, like when you compare that that's what's getting you booked so with me what was getting me booked is I was I was flying out doing Eva Longoria's friend and Eva Longoria said the reason I book you is you're so funny and you're so quick and that's why we we book you because that's what that's what the act is and it was funny because I thought right I need to work more on my like stand-up stuff because I love comedy I love it's really weird that most of my favorite comedians um nowadays are female so female comedians are doing really really well but I went to a beginner's comedy class at the comedy store and it was brilliant with Mike Gunn and I'm still in touch with everybody from that group but Mike made a really good observation he said you can't escape Marilyn because that's your ticket you know there's loads of funny women but you've got what is your strength your strength is you're going to bring these stories that spending the last 20 odd years impersonating her Mm. so I brought it into my act and and this I think with me I was like oh I just want Marilyn Monroe to go away (laughs) really but uh, I think she felt that too she was like I want Marilyn Monroe to go away and I want people to see that I'm a good actress and that there's more to me than playing these dumb blondes and she was trapped in that when she went to the actor studio and then there comes a time she didn't live long enough to do it but there comes a time where I've gone okay I can use this not in a bad way but use my platform people do know my name to go into other things and learn other things and use the life experiences I've picked up playing Marilyn as an advantage rather than looking at it going what about Susie (laughs) do Do people forget that you're your uh that you're Susie Kennedy and do they treat treat you as if you're Marilyn or think you are Marilyn mm, some people have I mean some people they, they go so Marilyn oh sorry I mean Susie so Marilyn even I'm not dressed as Marilyn and I go do you know what? it doesn't bother me it's it's fine but I, you know it, I mean I've got to be honest sometimes I've even been guilty of that like you know you hang out with people like my friend really looks like Kate Moss and sometimes I've <laughs> I look at her and think bloody hell you it's like hanging out with Kate Moss and yet she's my mate and it's you know it's just we're all guilty of kind of um of not seeing the full person I think we, we were all guilty of that we all like to put people in boxes and that's what I'm trying to work through really can we um let's talk about Britain's Got Talent mm-hmm. so you were on there as a stand-up yeah I was and, a comedian uh, you're on there as a comedian so how let's talk about that so you're sidestepping from just being you know Marilyn impersonator because you're obviously you're far as an artist you've got many strings to your bow so how was that experience and what has that branching into comedy what has that how has that affected your career well it it was really great but I kind of felt a bit guilty because I thought there's all these like amazing comedians that I see on these open nights that have applied to go on Britain's Got Talent and never got got it and never even got asked to be on it and there's me doing this like beginner stand-up class and getting asked to go straight on Britain's Got Talent but I I know the reason behind it was one I didn't really feel like a beginner in stand-up because after 20 years of having to present um you know these corporate stuff as Marilyn I kind of learned a bit of patter anyway do you know what I mean so I wasn't like oh my god this is so unusual and frightening and when they 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 actually called me when I was in Germany and said hi we're from psycho management and we're interested in you going on Britain's Got Talent and 
in people always say you should stay away from rea- reality shows, but in our business, as you know, Ivy, going on The Voice, you're not going to turn down prime time. Why TV. would you? <laughs> yeah, well, but you know, I, I turned down Big Brother, so there's some things you will turn down, but that's a bit of a different like kettle of fish. I think I'd have had a meltdown and killed myself in that place. But um, with Britain's Got Talent, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it was the longest day of my life. I mean, it was, well, you know, it was it was not what I expected. But I've got to say, power in an edit, because I literally, to do this show, I was in Los Angeles the whole of January. I filmed this in February, just before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I was in Los Angeles, and I so I flew back in, and they'd gone up to Manchester by the time I got back from L.A., and I had to go to Manchester the night before and then be there at 9am. I didn't go on stage until 9pm because they were doing loads of pickups with me and arriving mm-hmm. and all this stuff. By the time I got on stage, i got to tell you, I didn't remember my act. I didn't remember the uh, the edit. I was going <laughs> to be like, this is going to be terrible. But you know what? The edit they gave me, 10 out of 10, Britain's Got Talent. They were just they made me look a lot better than I was. And people say that they can't make you look a lot better than you was if you wasn't actually good. Well, I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they did they did a great job on me. And Simon Cowell was just super lovely. He was, was he? Like, yeah, he was, he was just like my biggest fan. Like, so yeah, it was really, really good. And I, I can't, that team, they were just so great, but I was so tired. I was so jet lagged. I was so ill. I had the worst headache. And then when I saw it, I was just like, whew. <laughs> I got off there lightly. I mean, I know it was in all the papers, wasn't it? And I watched I watched the clip. I thought you were fabulous. And I thought you were, oh, you were really funny. This is Funny Women Behind the Scenes. If you want to know more about us, visit www.funnywomen.com. Can we talk about Blade Runner? Yes. Uh, so come on, tell us, tell, tell our wonderful listeners. Well, I, I remember when I got the phone call, actually, I thought it was a wind up. Someone said to me, um, Susie, they want you to be in the new Blade Runner. And I was like, what? Like, this is like, what? And uh, they actually wanted to film it at Pinewood, but Pinewood Studios is booked up with Star Wars for like the next 10 years or something. Like you can't get in there to film anything. So they said it's going to be filmed in Budapest. So you've got to go to Budapest and they put me in the five-star hotel where, um, oh, who's the lady with all the banana skirt? Josephine Baker. Yeah, Josephine Baker stayed there and they've got all of her like diary entries and a card. Yeah, it's really, and they had Ella Fitzgerald and like everybody's anybody. So I was like, oh, Budapest was amazing. And then tragedy struck. This was the sad part. Somebody died on set. And it was all in the papers. So I was stranded in Budapest because they couldn't film me. So I was there for two weeks and they lived in this five-star hotel. They said, we're so sorry, just have as many beauty treatments as you want. So I was in the spa. I was in the five-star spa every day having beauty treatments for free on, on their bill. And just I got to tour the whole thing. And then when I actually filmed it, I was only there for the day. So I had a really good time because I could film it in one day. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a uh, it was mad. It was a great experience, and the best part was when it came out. There was my name, Marilyn Monroe, Susie Kennedy, and uh, oh, who's the guy from Blade Runner? The the second guy who played Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. His name's under mine. Oh my yeah. god! So yeah. yours, in terms of the 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 titling, the credit, no, the credits at the end they go because it's a credit appearance, and they're like Marilyn Monroe, Susie Kennedy whatever his name is in Blade Runner, because I can't remember, Harrison Ford. And I was like, ah! <laughs> so 
<laughs> that was my, my favourite bit. So to get the credit, and there's like me and Harrison Ford together. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your comedy because I know that during this period you've been doing the Funny Women Comedy Crash courses. Yeah, they're so good. So how has that helped develop your stand-up material? And what and how would you describe your stand-up? Well, this is this is the thing. Between Funny Women Crash Course, which I think is such, I can't praise that enough, because even if you feel like, because I did it a few times, right? So even if you feel like, oh, there's nothing there for me, what I've really noticed about that Crash Course, which I loved, was that you're with so many different types of women. Um, everybody there brought something different and the amount of jokes I didn't steal jokes what I mean by that is that <laughs> I was influenced I was influenced by listening to a lot of these women and seeing different things that they they did like music and um you know self-depreciation like they're they're like saying oh this is the thing um about me it could be that I wear glasses or that I I I'm dyslexic. And then I realized it's okay to use these things like this Marilyn thing that I've got. I don't have to run away from it. And I also can do other characters. I don't have to, because Marilyn's a character and I love character, character comedians like Catherine Tay and um, Tracy Ullman. They're like two of my like favorite people. So there's ways that I can um, use what I've got and not be ashamed of it, not go, well, I have to leave Marilyn Monroe at the door. I don't have, I, I, I can get away from this. No, you, you can use it in your comedy as well, which is when I've done this show, um, Living as Marilyn show, it is kind of stand up, but a, a thing through my life bringing in. Um, so it taught me a lot. And I've also thought that with comedy, it doesn't have to be joke, joke, joke. I'm watching a lot of, um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Bridget Christie. Do you know mm-hmm. who Bridget Christie is? Yeah, of course. She's not like a, a joke a minute. It's like a more of a narrative all the way through. I mean, her husband, Stuart Lee, and it's very like Stuart Lee, um, her style. And I've realised now that I can do a stand-up show that doesn't have to be, so a man walked into a pub, joke, joke, joke. It has to, it yeah, can, story arc. Yeah, I love it. And I love that. And, and um yeah, that's kind of where my comedy is going, I think, more. And then I can use my life experience rather than trying to sit down and, and write joke, joke, joke after joke. Because my life's a bit of a joke sometimes anyway, so it comes naturally. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you one more question before we finish. So um, as, a, as an impersonator and an artist and a writer and a comedian, and there'll be a lot of people listening to this who... Uh, are multifaceted performers kind of what what top tips would you give them for kind of constantly involving their artistic career as somebody that's always evolving yourself you've had a hugely successful career for many years what tips would you give our listeners my number one tip would be concentrate on yourself and not what anyone else is doing I think that's where you can get lost if you're always looking at like oh what are they doing what that you can have influence but I'm I'm talking about never feel intimidated by someone else doing something. Oh, I could have done that. Or, or maybe I should, you concentrate on you, get your influences and go for your dreams and don't look at anybody else. Because I think that's where you can get overwhelmed. If you're, if you're too busy looking at everyone else, you're going to walk into a wall, you know, just concentrate, concentrate on, on yourselves. I love that. Yeah. It's really important. Um, Susie, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and so lovely to see you. Um, how can our wonderful listeners find you? 
Um, my address is <laughs> my phone number. Um, Instagram, which I think is my favorite, is Instagram. I love Instagram because it's so creative and it doesn't seem so dark as Twitter. But my Instagram is at Susie Kennedy, and um, there is Twitter if you'd like to comment on what dress I should be wearing next time I appear on TV. Um, at Susie Kennedy, that's how you know how long you've been around for your your Twitter is your actual name. I was on Twitter, one of the first people, so it's at Susie Kennedy. Instagram, at Susie Kennedy. Facebook, if you're over 40, I'm still on there too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, TikTok, I'm not really too into that at the moment. I've I've got one, but it's not not really my thing. I don't really, I think I'm too old for that. Not because of your age, but just, just, no, not, not for me. But yeah, I'm on that as well. Okay, well, head over, go and find Susie. She's got a fantastic new sh- show coming up. Um, been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I hope to see you in in person very, very yeah. soon. And I'll see you at a show soon. Thank you very much, Susie. Thanks, Han. Bye. Well, it is that time. I'm going to invite her to step out of the gin cabinet. I can see her in there now, swigging it from the bottle. Uh, <laughs> please, let's welcome the incredible Lynn Parker. Hello, Lynn. Oh, you're being very, very judgmental today. I, I am being judgmental. I saw you drinking that gin. <laughs> and you your, saw- dr- your dress is too low cut. It's too short. <laughs> why do we do this I mean you know the interesting thing that Susie brought up for me and you know I'm I'm an older woman so I've been through lots of different uh, eras but the thing that hasn't changed is that women always have an opinion about other women we are competitive we when we get a bit of power it goes to our heads All I can guess, and I don't know if it's your view, that a lot of this comes from a a point of fear because we're kind of terrified of being left out. It's, you know, I'm not part of the gang. And I I think women are, we are pack animals. You know, we work, we work together and we play together and we bring up our kids together and we, and we have to be very cohesive socially to uh, but there is also the pecking order so you know queen bees alpha women and you know all through my career you know both as I've been a journalist and I worked in PR and I've had my kids now working comedy the pattern is always the same so you know I'd love to change it and I I I hope that with within funny women we don't have that but some of my worst experiences both with funny women obviously, and with my career prior to that were with other women. So I don't know if that's your experience. Well, my thoughts on this are that the unpicking of this is huge because I believe it stems from a patriarchal narrative, which is when we're set up to be in competition with each other, whether that is for uh, kind of physical and aesthetic uh you know praise whether that is to we have to work harder to get that job because we've got to fight um other um kind of walls and boundaries that are in front of us so you know it's not just women we're fighting we've got to fight men to get to that job and there are expectations of higher but you know we have to effectively have it all which is this amazing career these perfect instagram bodies and be a mum at the same time Mm. um so 
the competitive element for me I feel like it's where we're pitted against each other and it's not necessarily those rules we didn't make them we're just existing within them so so it's the patriarchy that's created that environment yeah interesting perspective I think that's a send us your views because I would love to hear what other people think about that um, and you can tweet us. <laughs> yes, please, please, oh, do. please do. I think, I, and, but I'm glad as women we're having this conversation yeah, because um, I think by having it and being conscious of it, we can take responsibility for our own part in it. Because yes, I do believe wholeheartedly and passionately that this arena that we're in is constructed by the patriarchy but that does not mean we cannot take our own responsibility for our part within it um by that i mean you you know i laughed and said to you oh you know drinking too much gin or your dress is too short no that's not my um i don't need to tell you those things uh it's not my place to say so i feel like that's the responsibility we can take and instead of just praising women let's support each other and supporting each other is 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 supporting each other by not criticizing online um but certainly in, even in our day-to-day conversations you, you catch yourself i would be lying if i said i've never criticized an, a, another person because i of course i have but i now i'm conscious of that i can start to change my own pattern of behavior which effectively the chain reaction of that is we're consciously working towards a more um, supportive community for us as women. Does that make sense? I think if we want to be equal as women, we have to learn to deal with the patriarchy and, as you say, take it on, which indeed we have done. You know, if you think about the Me Too um, campaign and the way some very powerful men have been called out for their abhorrent behaviour and it goes on in all walks of life. That is step one. I think there's still a lot more to do. I think step two is exactly as Susie said, let's start celebrating the clever, successful and beautiful women. There's nothing wrong with being beautiful, you know, nothing wrong with it. And I think a lot of other women will use you know accuse a woman of getting somewhere because she's beautiful because actually the truth is we all want to be beautiful men want to be handsome you know it's a, it's a human nature thing to want to be the most good looking and the most fit and what have you i think once you get beyond that point and and you stop the self deprecation and the imposter syndrome that that leaves you then if you use all that energy to do yourself down try turning that energy into bigging yourself up yeah i'm overweight i'm in my 60s but you know what i'm good you know i'm good i've done an awful lot in my life i've achieved a lot and i think I, you know we can all do that kind of praise ourselves thing i think uh the the kind of beautiful handsome argument uh how I see it is it's about understanding those um, kind of aesthetic norms uh, that we, you know, we're meant to fit into and, and then understanding what's happening and where the exploitation is happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then fighting that because that's what I get angry about, yeah. about when it's like the person is being exploited because of what they look like. And that is not OK. And that's the narrative we need to change. And I do think that is changing, actually. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm getting criticised, yeah. oh, yeah. you, You're going to have to put me back in the gym, Cobden. <laughs> I think, I, think, I think we should resume another time because it's such a big topic. And, yeah, I and, do too. And I would love, I would love our listeners to to let us know what they think about this. I think it's something that we shall return to. Yeah, and I kind of want to finish on 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 the note of women supporting women, which is why our community of funny women is so positive and so important, and the work that we do is so important because it truly is a community of women championing other women around the world you've you've said it for me thank you ivy that's all right and i'm going to judge you uh, and <laughs> send you non-judgmentally back to the gin cabinet and you drink all the gin you want lynn thank you i will you've been listening to funny women behind the scenes with ivy page if you like us please subscribe review and share 